0: Hello and welcome to YouTube's favorite comic book channel, Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. We're going to be looking at Frank Frazetta's comics work on today's episode, but I want to remind everybody that we will be at Heroes Con in North Carolina in a couple of weeks in the middle of June, uh, bringing along all kinds of our bibliography, prints, artwork. Uh, that's a great comic show, so stop by at the Cartoonist Kayfabe table if you are attending HeroesCon, Con, and consider attending if it wasn't already on your calendar. I also want to let everybody know that we're gearing up for Cartoonist Kayfabe comic book Christmas in July. The last weekend in July, we take our doubles, we take some of our comps, we take some just great comics, and we put them in local lending libraries around us. And we invite all of our audience to do the same. We know there's a lot of creators out there that watch our shows and have their own collection of comps. We know there are a lot of collectors out there that end up getting doubles because uh, you can't help yourself when you're digging through those back issue bins. Take some of those good comics, spread them around in the local lending libraries in your neighborhood, and let's try to grow some new comic book fans. We did this last year. It was a great success. Uh, If you do share some in your local lending libraries, take some pictures and share them on on your social media to uh, spread the word, and let's grow some new comic book readers. Let's do it. So Ed, Frank Frazetta, he's done well on our channel. Everybody enjoys Frank Frazetta artwork, mostly known as a painter, but uh, in the early days, dabbled a lot in comics and comics art. And uh, some of that stuff has been reproduced in comic books over the years, some of which I find in dollar bins, uh, how I came across most of these. And uh, we'll take a look at some of those, talk about what he was doing when, as he developed. And uh, first one I'm going to start with is Shining Night. Yes. This was actually, you know, try to go in somewhat chronological order. And uh, Shining Night was some of the first comics work that he did. This would have been in like, I think, 51 and appeared in the back of national publications, which is DC Comics, and just these little seven or eight page backups. You can see this is actually published by DC Comics. And once Frazetta becomes a, uh, a star... Everybody's happy to put his name on the cover, and uh, you can see it, man. That's when you've arrived, whenever it's your name in the hero title slot above. Top villain. And you can also see kind of like what was popular in that time frame in the uh, late 40s and early 50s, and uh, a little bit of Prince Valiant being referenced, I think, in some of this stuff. This would appear in, you know, cowboys and western comics, a huge genre. So you get some of that flavor as backups here. And you can kind of see a uh, young cartoonist. It's interesting to watch the development of Frazetta over these couple of years that we're going to showcase. Because I think in a lot of ways, whenever he enters comics making, guy with a ton of talent, but very, very raw, a lot to uh, continue to refine. And by the time he leaves, he's a world-class illustrator sought after, you know, the rest of his career. And drawing comics, we say it a lot. It's a very rigorous practice. So... If you have some talent, and you have some pride in your work. Chances are you're going to develop uh, pretty quickly whenever you're working at this kind of a schedule.
1: Yeah, like just looking at this early proto work, man, and seeing the How Foster influence uh, when he goes on to kind of like hit a stride with EC Comics and and participate in what what is uh, affectionately known as the Fiegel Gang with Al Williamson, Roy Crankle, Angelo Torres, and there's always one or two other guys, George Woodbridge, maybe. Um, they like the how foster influence is like a connecting piece of tissue between between williamson frazetta and those and, and those other guys man uh so iron sharpens iron you know like in the 50s when when they all connected his work just leveled up so much and I think it might have been Crankle who was doing the first paperback covers. I think Crankel brought him in interesting, uh so it, you know it's still a flegal experience
0: yeah, and as you know the e c stuff comes later a couple years after this, and I wonder if as he gets into a position where known for paying much better e c comics than than some of these publishers, if that adds to it too, just having the time in terms of like you need x amount of money to live uh does that allow a certain amount of development and uh you know improvement there's I, a i guess
1: yeah sure there, there's a big rawness here that 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 feels like a student okay man this thunder piece was in our jack uh frank Rosetta, the living legend right monograph and i was very curious like where it might have first appeared but and it's very raw these two are
0: are actually these three are all fanographics so i feel like you know reproduction wise this is kind of a nice reproduction the coloring, I believe, is recolored for this edition. Oh, it is. Yeah, sure. It's total blue line method. And the bummer is there's not a lot of material like um, giving it context, which yeah. is something Fantagraphics has really evolved over the years to include that kind of historical stuff. But I do think you start to see more of what we think of as Frazetta. Yeah. You know, the, the great shadow, the dramatic lighting on these characters. And then, you know, these cavemen, Neanderthal characters. I mean, they, they stick with them throughout his career you know like a lot of this stuff it's funny to see it port into his uh his paintings and his covers and stuff and we've looked at some uh foster recently i feel like this is one of those tarzan
1: swipes oh that, yeah uh, for th- sure. that we've looked at and that thunder piece was drawn several times i bet this is from foster like like all the best stuff in 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 that first thunder story like there there was one of the famous uh, foster swipes
0: it's amazing to think that comics used to look like this just in terms of like these monsters and action stuff because I don't know that there are any comics that are like this today. No, you totally. Know, like the the pulp equivalent, you know, of like the pulp novels and things and short stories, they're on the page here. They are. Like it's really capturing that kind of tone. Um, but how good would this look in black and white? You yeah. know, like you can see that
1: that's another piece that's just very different back then. Another piece is that he always references himself. Like... Every every dude looks like Frank Frazetta. That's funny, because that's such a kayfabe
0: sort of thing. Right. You know, especially if you're some good-looking dude, as uh, Frazetta was known to be. And, you know, panels like this wouldn't surprise me if there's a uh, Foster reference somewhere in here. These, like, action compositions. Yeah. That stuff is so strong in Foster's work, and what an influence on uh, generations of creators. Sometimes Thunder's so ripped. <laughs> yeah wonder if that's modeling after one of his uh studio buddies looking in the mirror draw, drawing <laughs> with their shirts off it's surprising that this stuff doesn't have more I think of a presence because you look at this and it feels like that's not out of place you know it, it holds up very well it's a if you're looking at this as a Frazetta appreciation it's pretty strong work yeah and it's it's evolved beyond the previous two Thunder Strips yeah, I don't know if he was working out of a studio at this point, like how he's getting assignments and how the, uh, the industry is shaping up at this stage. This would have been like 1952, I believe, is about the time of these strips. And he's also drawing around this time, getting into a, uh, a brief daily strip. So doing a lot of comics art, a lot of the pen and ink, black and white another one that i think is a uh
1: classic uh how foster
0: it is and that's been lifted by all kinds of people i know there's a a wally wood that is basically this pose that's a that's a wild character design
1: one of the things that frazetta said about like working with pen and ink is that uh he, he he never favored it because with painting you can push that oil a little bit and get some amazing happy accidents that you could then replicate and make it a part of your style uh, and ink is just unforgiving. It's a precise medium in a lot of ways. And and the way he uses it is, pr- is pretty precise.
0: All right, so I'm jumping a little bit into a comic strip reprint. And the reason is this is chronological, uh, as I mentioned. We're going to get back to Untamed Love after this, which follows this. But this is like 1952, and... Um Eclipse Comics
1: doing the reprint here. It's Dean Mullaney, man, the guy who's responsible for, like, all the best of comic strip reprints. This is, this is so cool. This is something I'm mindful of because I'm becoming a daily comic strip artist. This episode is brought to you by the Cartoonist Kayfabe Patreon. Three different levels
0: will give you access to our videos before anyone else sees them to give you a leg up on the Kayfabe effect, and at the King Kayfaber level, you actually sit in on our recording sessions. This episode is also brought to you by the books that we make. You see our bibliography in front of you right now. In addition to all of these books, Ed Piscor's Red Room, Crypto Killers, the new season of Red Room is now out. Issue 1 is available now. Issue 2 cover here. There are also a clip of variant covers by Ed, Peach Momoko, me, and many other great artists. The other big book that Ed is releasing later this year, Hip Hop Family Tree, The Omnibus, collecting all of the Hip Hop Family Tree strips in one handsome 500-plus page volume, including over 100 pages of new material. That'll be out in time for the holidays. Got to pre-order it now so Fantagraphics knows how many to print. There's also an Omnibus collection of X-Men Grand Design coming out later this year. Again, pre-order that one today. Let them know how many you need because some of the X-Men Grand Design three volumes are out of print. So get that one big handsome collected volume. My next big book later this summer, Street Angel, Princess of Poverty from Image Comics. This is available for pre-order now. Collects all of the Street Angel comics that are not in Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Live. Also available in back and back in print from Image Comics. You can also pick up my Hulk grand design with the fluorescent green cover. You cannot miss it. As well as Plain Jane's, the first young adult graphic novel. And now back to our
1: program. So before the strip would be released, like the, in that space there would be like a promo image that right. that's as good as any kind of like movie promo poster that I could think of, you know, we'll typeset some action, a close up on your, on your, on your hero.
0: Yeah. A little montage of a couple of different images. That's great. That's, that's the uh, equivalent of a movie trailer, exactly. but in the uh, comic strip format.
1: Yeah. So what I guess what I'm saying is I'm gonna have to do some of that.
0: Absolutely. Even blowing up these panels, uh, you know, hats off to Eclipse for like trying to figure out how do you make this stuff work because this is reprinted in the 80s so you're reprinting a 35 year old strip probably whenever this book comes out got to make it sexy got to try to sell these things shouts
1: to the people who saved these strips to like make this kind of thing
0: possible kind of love that this is a racing I mean that's a pretty great panel yeah it's neat to see where where Frazetta is at this time period, you know, like what works and what doesn't. We often talk about you want to have some speed, get the wheels off the ground. You want to go wrong, man. Like a race car becomes a wing once it gets airborne, once it leaves the ground. <laughs> That's
1: true, man. And that
0: is just whew, boy racing, uh not a safe sport back then.
1: You can imagine that should have been maybe Johnny Comet's end. <laughs> uh one of the things that came to mind though, man, is like you could see it right here. This is a very it's still very raw. Mm-hmm but there have been, you know, long tenures of strips that, that look just like this, that kind of really, you know, were always mid-carter level. You know, your, Tim Tyler was the name of one of them. Like, that type of shit. That had years' worth of chronology, but they kind of, like, were mid-carter. And that's what this feels like. You know, obviously it's Frisetta art, so you know it's good. But it, it brought up this, like, insecurity in my mind uh, that... that comes up every now and then when you see this kind of thing because we know what happened with him we know he went a certain direction and kind of felt found his niche but i often wonder and and get nervous about like missing the opportunity of like really finding out what your niche is you know like one of the thoughts that would come to mind is like you know woodworking with an an anchor like is there an anchor out there who could like take my work And fucking present it in the the absolute best way possible. You know, like, things like that. But it's just like, I'll never find out. Um, And and that's what this kind of represents to me. Like, he could have probably have done this for years and missed out on a lot of, like, what becomes Frank Frazetta you can see like the spotty different versions of like getting these strips look at that yeah
0: we well, got to imagine like i i guess this strip must have been canceled after a year i mean i i doubt if it's going successfully and Frazetta walks away no yeah of course so you know there are natural breakpoints i suppose like that um and it's like anything else that you struggle with.
1: Like you do it, if it doesn't work, you change something. You get to see more and more modern Frazetta in there.
0: Yeah, it's really neat to see him going through here because there are glimpses where you go, oh yeah, I could have picked that panel out as being a Frazetta. And then there's a bunch of panels like I would never, if you showed me that panel, I wouldn't think Frazetta. It looks like Al Cap, you know, like like his uh, Lil' Abner type work. Which is where Frazetta goes after this. Mm-hmm. You know, like in 53, he starts a- assisting on Lil' Abner. Um and that's in this introduction. You know, I'm not some great comics historian to know that. But you do see, like, that is the direction he's going. And you have to assume with the successful strip like a little Abner, and you're a new strip artist, you are going to reference some of that stuff. You know, it makes sense that there are panels or characters that resemble whatever the most successful strips are.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, there's nothing in this strip that provides much of a hook. Like, we saw the racing stuff at first, and that was like a MacGuffin to get you to read it. But you start to see less and less of it, presumably because that shit is hard to fucking draw, certainly on a daily basis. You know, look at how we're kayfabing cars and shit (laughs) at this
0: point. Well, yeah, I wonder how much time he's putting into this, too, because that Thunder comic that I was showing, he's also drawing in 1952. Um, You know, is he assisting someone else? Does he start with Lil Abner in that time frame? I don't know, but you do wonder, like how much time can you devote to a new comic strip that may not be doing that well? You know, like, some of this stuff really is impressive.
1: Very sensual.
0: Yeah, and it feels like, okay, he's inventing something there or he's he's doing something that's him and maybe a little bit different than your typical comic strip. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty interesting collection. Boy, that's a strange panel. If you told me somebody was uh, hanging out in the studio that day and drew that, it wouldn't surprise me. It just looks different than every other panel I I think that we've seen so far.
1: Yeah, yeah, like, the fidelity of the different each strip looking a little different in terms of like dot gain Mm -hmm. and and bleed and stuff that 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 adds to that talk
0: about a challenge like for uh or whoever was editing this to put together i bet they had to use all kinds of source material and just take what they could find in order to get as complete a reprint as possible cuz i don't think this is complete you know i think yeah, there's, there's a strip or two missing
1: here and there that but, are just like lost to the age. it might be like you know just fucking gone forever really if you think about it
0: and if you're reprinting it from published sources those things are going to vary from newspaper to exactly. newspaper and from day to day based on engraving and printing
1: yeah totally even Look the back. same
0: copies may uh you know the same day's newspaper would probably vary quite a bit from uh, one end of the print run to the other
1: yeah it makes me makes me just want to sing the praises of like forward thinkers like bill blackbeard who yes. who maintained massive collections of these strips. Like like I imagine I imagine that he probably had to buy maybe the newspaper two or three times uh per day. Because when you cut one, you might be cutting into another on the back or something like right. that. Uh so and and he just kept these shoeboxes like a like a hoarder, really. And Absolutely. I think I think uh didn't Caitlin McGurk say that there were like two or three like uh, Mack trucks that had to come to deliver. Yeah. those Mac, the, All the contents of those Mack trucks was in a dude's house. I just saw a video of them going through some of that collection, the way they catalog it. Yeah, and I mean, it's like cool. a lifetime of <laughs> probably sorting that just to organize it all. They, they were organizing it 10 years ago when I went to that residency.
0: So I wanted to point out the difference in fidelity yeah. between this strip and this strip. You can see it really illustrated, I think, in his signature uh you can see it in the screen tones you assume that if you saw the originals of these two they would look almost identical yeah but the difference in reproduction kind of lets you know how different it is like the source material and what they're trying to clean up so kind of a a a pretty neat snapshot again of a guy who goes on to be a giant but at that time you can kind of see him growing and trying things and, and feeling his way around so uh in addition to going to work on little abner in 53, he also does some romance comics and some EC comics, which I don't have the EC comics here. You know, those are frequently reprinted by various EC rights holders, and we've looked at some of that. But this is another fanographics and a reprint of uh, romance comics that he was doing and kind of starting to look more and more Frazetta-like. And yeah. you see it in Beautiful Women, right? You're going to do a romance comic. you got to draw good-looking women, and uh, who better than Frazetta? Yeah, certainly seemed to be something he was interested in and put some effort into.
1: They all got those baby blue eyes, man, where it's just like that those very scary eyes where you could see the pupil and then just like that iris is drawn. I see so much of like a Dave Stevens, you know, oh, yeah. had to be a fan of this stuff. And I like
0: how cartoony the figures are. It's like, oh yeah, pretty girl, but also like kind of exaggerated,
1: you know, rounded and in, in things. Probably doing that strip work really, really, uh, you know, just added some craft to to his game dude because the weight of those figures is better than like that thunder era where Mm -hmm. you're pushing her chest out and all looking weird yeah they feel like uh just a little bit sexy you know the good looking guy the
0: good looking girl throws some shadows on them very ambitious camera angle right there you have to imagine that that's a photo yeah it's really strong and also like pretty risque in terms of what you're showing in 1953 you know i mean it's right before the comics code but also it feels like there's probably some boys reading these romance comics to uh to look at the frank frazetta girls
1: yeah using leroy letter probably because uh ec is starting to uh come to the fore in terms of quality want to start to confuse the reader with uh you know get them to think that you're an ec comic
0: also 1954 on here so some of near the end of his comics this, uh, drawing run. this color fucking sucks man yeah this color's rough hey you know what else this is is uh concurrent with like alex toth romance comics if yes. you ever see those things reprinted it would be like almost the exact same time period and uh you could see another master of black and white and how they approach the uh the romance genre as well
1: and he would have been doing his ec comics at this point so mm-hmm. he's seeing while he would doing his fastball and like all those guys
0: this this piece of sculpture in the foreground to me right out of a, like an ec comic You know, like you can imagine him going from some EC comic over to this job and just like keeping some detail in there. (laughs) A lot of screen tones, you know, used on this stuff too. Just don't see any of that. And then check out like the drawing for her dress and the shading on the leg and the vegetation.
1: It is just like dashing through the inking on that. The whole next generation, the Reitzens, the Kaludas will take from this kind of drapery and like push that exact drapery so much further. And here's where we go, like, his next stop is dramatic
0: painting. Like, look at the light. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's He's got that. Probably using Ellie for reference. Hard silhouettes and stuff. Like, the light is such a big piece of this strip. Must be maybe the most, you know, like, like, again, the last of these that he does. But you see just dramatic lighting after dramatic lighting. And now here we are in daylight, and all of that kind of lighting has completely changed. If you saw this in black right. and white, you'd know instantly whether you're looking at... Again, was it daytime, was it nighttime? As soon as we drop into night we get those romantic
1: shadows. Love these poses. Yeah. It's a very sensitive line and it doesn't reprint well uh at at times. Right. Especially back then,
0: you know, 80s reprinting old comics. And now this is also fanographics This is from the Eros comics line. <laughs> uh this is actually kind of an expensive book if you pick it up now. And I was looking through this whenever uh I can't remember if a K Faber sent this in, how I ended up with this copy. But I'm looking at this and I'm like, what the heck are these things? You know, like they're very bizarre texts that are come quietly in the darkness. She undressed. So what is it like
1: a weird paperback or
0: something? That's what exactly what this was, was paperback art for yeah. like those borderline. Like, uh, you know, they're the adult paperbacks that come up in, in the 50s. That's what these are. And they're not covers. They're actually interior illustrations for that stuff that would be captioned. So again, thinking of him moving in this trajectory from comics into painting, this is a pretty good stop gap where you get to see him working with tone. So it's not full color, but you can totally see that attention to lighting, uh, detail, weight, all of the things that would come to characterize his painting. You see a lot of it here. It's cool, man. And it's very strange to read some of the captioning on here. And I mean like this, it's gotta be just setting up a model and and reference, right? Yeah. You know, this is figure drawing, classic figure drawing kind of stuff. Oh, and the drapery, all that attention. Mm Again, I I feel like that just defines what you would end up seeing in in his mature work. It's funny to see it as like gags, you know? Like some of this has to be like humor, humor mag kind of work. It's beautiful though, and they do, I think, a pretty good job on reproduction of this. It makes me wonder if this is stuff that he kept. You know, if he has the originals, like known for keeping his paint, his, his painted work. So I wonder if this was something that was in those early days as well and something that he maintained because a lot of the reproductions of this stuff is pretty impressive right especially compared to those comic books and if it were being printed in like cheap paperbacks pulp ass paper imagine the quality would be coming out of those it would
1: be way worse than our johnny comet reprints we got over there
0: (laughs) i must be out of my mind she drawled you're dangerous territory
1: oh man they're gonna be
0: (laughs) making babies get a little bit of the action stuff in there as well Great silhouettes, strong black and white, almost a
1: sketch. Right. You know, some of these might be printed from that paperback. Yeah, I think so, too. They're they're pretty dull. And
0: I think this is a a cover which may have been done in color. Right. And I'm guessing that just because of the title there um, feels like cover art of that time period. And a tiny little bit of information there, I'll leave it on screen for a moment if anybody's uh, interested in that, they can kind of read. But it's coming from these sleazy paperbacks of the early 60s. So again, if you're thinking of what we've shown, all the comic stuff from, say, 52 to 54, and now we're jumping ahead,
1: possibly a decade there to get into the early 60s. That's fine, because, because then that's, that's when we're getting into you know, ace paperbacks and, exactly. and, and doing, doing all that work that he did. But also we're getting into uh, Warrens at that point. You know he always keeps a little toe in comics
0: yeah kind of a smart move if you're working freelance just in case something goes wrong or dries up keep those contacts uh,
1: handy and it's so pulpy that that like the comic fan is going to be you know they're the ones buying the death dealer posters and the frisetta catalogs <laughs> right. in 1972 it, you know it's not some businessman who's reading weird spank books it is funny
0: though to think of it as eros considering like what they publish yeah and then there's something like this which is all things considered very tame yes very tame and and kind of a classic right uh not not quite what i associate with that imprint but you can also see why they would do it you know
1: it's kind of an anchor to
0: get everybody to uh to look at that imprint and maybe sell a couple extra of those copies absolutely
1: rising tide raises all ships man good to go i am K. Fabers like follow subscribe to the youtube channel hit the bell so that we can notify you when new videos are available jimmy and i are going to be going to heroes con in a couple of weeks uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, man. If you go in there, go look for the uh, Cartoonist Café booth. Come hang out, say hi. Also, the uh, last weekend in July, Saturday, is going to be Cartoonist Café Comic Book Christmas in July. This is the initiative that Jimmy and I have put together where we are supplying our local uh, free little lending libraries. You know, those little structures outside of businesses and people's houses in, in, in the neighborhood that have a bunch of free books. We're putting comics and uh magazines and our our doubles our comp copies in those and we encourage you to do the same uh you know hashtag us in those images we'll repost them we'll retweet them etc it was a big event last year let's double those numbers this year But the videos are brought to you by the books that we make. So, Jimmy, please tell the people what you got coming out. Street Angel Princess of Poverty is my next book from
0: Image Comics. It'll be out later this year. It collects all of the Street Angel material that is not in Street Angel Deadly Scroll Alive. Image just reprinted Street Angel Deadly Scroll Alive. So if you missed it the first time around, pick that one up now. No overlap between those two books, but it will be a complete set of Street Angel if you get them both. Hulk Grand Design is also in stores. It's a big oversized package with fluorescent green ink on the cover. You can't miss it. If your comic book store has it, you will see it when you walk in. Uh, Pick that up while supplies last. And uh, the first young adult graphic novel, The Plain Janes, also available. You can also join me on patreon.com slash jimrug where you can see
1: my latest comics. I'm serializing them weekly on my Patreon. Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus is coming to you in time for the holidays. Uh, collecting the four volumes of Hip Hop Family Tree that are out there. 500 plus page uh, collection with 140 pages of material that is not in those first four books. Lots of additional artwork was generated this year to uh, support this book and, and, and make it a holistic, uh, you know, singular thing. Also, uh, X-Men Grand Design is coming back to print in a handy dandy uh, trade paperback. We're calling it the X-Men Grand Design Trilogy, about 250, 260 page trade paperback collecting all my X-Men Grand Design work is going to be out in time for Christmas also. Red Room is the focus right now. There's the cover to uh, Red Room number one, came out in May. Issue two comes out in June. Uh, Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game. Each issue completely self-contained. You see an issue, grab an issue, support the issue. You dig it, grab another one. Two trade paperbacks of Red Room are out there. Uh, the Antisocial Network and Trigger Warnings. Support our comics. Keeps the lights on in the studio, keeps these videos coming to you on a daily basis. What else do we have going on, Jimmy?
0: Subscribe to the Cartoonist KFABE newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist KFABE t shirts, merchandise, mugs, fanny packs, stickers, and lots more at our spread shop. That link is also under this video.
1: All good ways to support the Cartoonist KFABE channel. Give them those marching orders, Jimmy, and we'll be on our way. Read more
0: comics.